Well, good morning, everyone. I love when it falls every time. It's exciting for me. Um, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor, and I'm so glad that you guys are all here this morning. Uh, however it is that you might be joining us, maybe you're not even joining us in the morning. So uh, for those of you that are here in the building, it's nice to see all of your masked faces. Uh, for those of you that are watching at home by yourself, I hope that you're comfy and enjoying the comfortable clothing. Uh, if you're watching in a watch party in a house, then I hope you're enjoying some good food and comfort. If you're watching on YouTube later on in the week, if you're watching via the, or I guess listening via the podcast while you're out on a walk or run or driving, uh, be careful. Uh, but no matter what, I hope that this is helpful for you today in taking a next step. Uh, so uh, I have uh, two kids, and one of the things that I really love about kids, especially when they're really young, is that I find that kids are incredibly honest. Uh, you just you look at them and you know exactly how they're feeling on the inside by how they're portraying themselves on the outside. Uh, so this is uh, my son uh, a couple of uh, years ago on his first day of school. And we said, uh, Liam, we would like to take a picture of you for the first day of school. And he did not want to go to school. He did not want to get his picture taken. And everything in his body showed exactly how he was feeling on the inside, on the outside. And that's how kids are. Uh, if a kid is upset, you know it. Uh, if a kid is sad, you know it. If a kid is angry, you know it. If a kid is hungry, uh, if a kid doesn't like the food that they just ate, they are going to be completely honest about it because they haven't learned what a lot of us learn as adults of how to like kind of hide that a little later on. Uh, and here's what I mean. Here's, here's another picture uh, of our family. Uh, we had this taken a few years ago. And uh, we actually, uh, we love this picture. Uh, we had this picture blown up. My wife did. And it was in the entryway of our house for a couple years. And you look at that and it's like, ah, that just looks like just like a great family. I mean, they love each other. They love their kids. And every time I saw that picture, I would laugh a little bit to myself because I don't even remember what it was, but just something around the circumstances of us getting that picture taken. I remember that like I was annoyed and like Ashley was annoyed and I was annoyed at her and she was annoyed at me and we were both annoyed at our kids and we were just having one of those moments where both of us were just like, oh, you know, like before the picture, we're just, you know, and then the photographer said, hey, we want you to take a picture and we have the ability as adults, and maybe you have this ability too, to transform. And we on the outside look like, oh, we love our kids, and we love each other, and we're just this perfect family. We're on the inside, we're like, oh, yeah. Because as adults, we have this ability to make our outside look a way that maybe doesn't resemble what's going on on the inside. Uh, there's a term for this, uh, and Jesus actually uses this term quite a bit through this sermon that we're looking at called the Sermon on the Mount. The term is called play acting. Uh, it's the idea that like I can play a part. I can play a role. Like I know in this meeting I'm supposed to be professional and be together, and even though I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm so, you know, in the inside, like I feel like I got all my stuff together at all, but I have the ability, like, and I'm supposed to act like I have it all together, so I'm going to play the part. Uh, I know that in this circumstance, I'm, I'm supposed to, you know, I'm so angry and mad, but in this, I'm supposed to be calm and put together. Uh, and this happens, I'm sure not for any of you, but this happens quite a bit at church, actually, uh, where folks can have a morning where, you know, just things aren't going well. And you know, even on, you know, if they, they drove here, if they walked here, you know, they're, they're screaming at each other, screaming at their kids in the car. But then like, like all right, we're going to go to church, you know, get it together. And then you're like, whoop. 
good morning. So want you, you just kind of like play because you know here I'm supposed to be nice. Here I'm supposed to be spiritual. You know, I'm supposed to play a part like I pray all the time. You know, I, 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 I didn't do any sins this weekend. You know, you just you play the role that you know you are supposed to play. And so that means a couple things that won't be surprises uh, to any of you. Uh, the first is that what you see on the outside does not necessarily show you what is going on on the inside. That the way in which maybe some of you are sitting here right now, you guys, yeah, I mean, I don't know any of your stories. I'm not picking on anybody, but, uh, or if I could see you, if you're at home right now through the camera. I mean, it's, the people here, anyway, I mean, they look great. I mean, just everyone here just looks like, I mean, these, these are people who have their stuff together. But maybe what's going on on the outside, maybe you have something different going on on the inside. Uh, here's what else you know, is you know that changing the outside does not necessarily fix the inside. That just because I was acting unannoyed with my kids and my wife at that point, and just because Ashley somehow found a way to not act like it with her face that she was annoyed at me, does not necessarily mean that that changed anything on the inside. And moments after that picture, moments after, uh, you can change lots of things on the outside, and it doesn't mean that you're gonna change it on the inside. Uh, there's a, a quote that I love, uh, a whole writer, philosopher that I love. His name is Dallas Willard. And here's what uh, Dallas uh, Willard says. Uh, he says that the aim of spiritual formation, and we're going to come back to that idea of spiritual formation, but the aim of spiritual formation is not behavior modification. That the goal of maybe you being in church today, the goal for you to read your Bible or to pray the goal for you to have a closer relationship with Jesus is not just so you can act better, just so you can like smile more, just so you can like clean up your language, just so you can find a way to adjust your behavior. It's deeper than that. What he says is that it's the transformation of all those aspects of you and me where behavior comes from. It wants to change the heart. That the goal of spiritual formation is not just change what's coming out of me, but it's to change what's deep down inside of me. Because at the end of the day, where my good things come from and where my bad things come from, where my generosity, where my kindness, where my anger, where my bitterness comes from, is not just what you see on the outside, it comes from something inside. And so if I ever wanna make real transformation, it comes from the heart. Uh, so why we're talking about this is that we've been going through a sermon uh, for the last couple weeks, and we're going to be going through it for the next couple months. It's a, a long sermon. It uh, takes up three chapters in the Bible, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we think this is actually a sermon that Jesus probably taught at least bits and pieces of all through his ministry. So in a way, this is like Jesus' go-to. This is like what Jesus taught on an ongoing basis. And the idea of what he taught has to do around this idea of happiness, uh, Jesus wants to describe, here's what it looks like for you to have a happy life. And we've described this series as upside down because in many ways, the way that Jesus wants you to have a happy life is an upside down way of thinking, a countercultural way of thinking of what the normal world normally thinks. Because what we normally think is that, okay, if I'm not happy right now, then what I need to do is I need to change something on the outside. 
If I could change, you know, the way in which my house looked, that would make me happy. You know, if I could, if I could change the way that I look, then I would be happy. If I could change the way, the amount of money I have, then that would make me happy. If I could change the way that my job was, then that would make me happy. But what many of us have learned throughout our lives is that those things will make you momentarily happy. You get a new car, you get a new phone, you know, you get a nice new haircut. It might make you happy for the day, maybe for the week. But in the long term, it doesn't quite do the trick. And so Jesus wants to tell us, here's the way that if you want to have a life of happiness, a life of joy, then here's the way in which you need to do it. Uh, and Jesus says the way in which you do it is we're going to concentrate on this word today, pure in heart. But before we get to the idea of pure in heart, I want to focus first on this little word, see. Uh, because what Jesus does, and this is the beginning of the sermon, uh, there's eight different what we call beatitudes. It's these values. It's this, Jesus is saying, if you live by these new upside down countercultural ways of living, then you will be happy. And with each of these, he gives a promise. Uh, he gives it, here's, here's what you will get. Uh, and so with all of them, he says, you will be blessed, you will be happy. But then with this one, he says, if you're pure in heart, then you will see God. Uh, and when you study uh, scripture, you study the things that Jesus uh, says, there's all kinds of different, you know, really brilliant people that try to define and translate, you know, what did Jesus actually mean? And when it comes to this word, there's two big schools of thought of what Jesus meant by this word see. Uh, and I think that actually both schools are right. Uh, and I'll describe that as we go along here. But I believe that Jesus is one of the most brilliant, the most brilliant teacher of all times. And he actually had the ability to say more than one thing at the same time. And so I think Jesus was kind of using this kind of interesting word to say two different things. So the first thing that Jesus means by this is that this is a, a group of people that will see God in a relational type way. Uh, and this is the way that maybe you guys would use the same word, see. Uh, and so, for instance, this summer, uh, my wife and I plan to go see my parents. Uh, we're going to get in my car, uh, in our van, and we're going to drive to Illinois where they live. And the idea is not that we're just going to, like, go and, like, see them for a second and then leave. Uh, the idea isn't that we're going to, like, set up lawn chairs in the front yard and we're going to, like, observe them and, like, see what they do for a couple days. The idea is that we're going to go and we're going to have relational time with them. Well, we're going to be in their house. We're, we're going to spend time around them. We're going to laugh with them. We're going to play games together. We're going to eat food together. We're going to make memories together. That we're going to spend relational time together. And Jesus says, here's what I'm telling you, is that there's a way in which you can live that not only will you be blessed and happy, but there's a way in which you live where you can have like a real relationship with God. Uh, and I don't know if, if you've ever known somebody like that. Uh, I told a story of my friend Jeff a few weeks ago, someone I know like that in my life, but one of those people who just like, they don't just like go to church, you know, they don't just like read the Bible, and, and they don't talk about the things of like praying like as like ought-tos, because sometimes for a lot of us it feels like, I ah, know I, I ought to read my Bible, it just feels like it seems like I'm supposed to do. There's these people that just, they just want to. They, they just love it. They just, they, to, God is like a friend to them, like a best friend. Like they just enjoy so much the idea of spending time with God. And Jesus says that there's a way in which you can orient your life where you don't feel like God is like an adversary. You don't feel like that God is like, you know, angry at you. You know, you don't feel like that God is just like somewhere else. That there's a way in which you can live where you have a real 
close relationship with God. And I don't know if you want that, but if you want that kind of a relationship with Jesus, then Jesus is going to tell us how we need to live our lives. Uh, The second way in which you can define this word is the idea of kind of like you could see God changes or maybe God modifications or God transformations. Uh, Because when you read the Bible especially, there's all kinds of different promises that God gives that if you live this way, then you're going to like have a life full of purpose. You're going to have a life full of meaning. Uh, There's a list we describe a lot uh, in a book called Galatians called The Fruit of the Spirit. It says you can have a life of joy. You can have a life of contentment. You can have a life of inner peace. And, And a lot of us, like, that's what we want most in life. We want, you know, just to feel joy. Just, just can I actually feel happy? You know, can I, is there a way that with all the anxiety and worry in my life, you know, can I feel peace? Uh, is there a way that I can just really like be the kind of person that I know God tells me to be? And so one of the things that uh, Jesus is saying here is that if you want to see those kind of changes actually happen in your life, because again, for some of us, Maybe if we're honest, we're a little disappointed in how slow our change has been. Because we like made moment. We had like a New Year's resolution. We, you know, you know, we, we, you're like, okay, this addiction is, you know, I am done. You know, we're, I'm going to change. And then like, it just hasn't changed, you know, or we lost our temper at our kids or we had this big fight and we're like, all right, I'm going to get my anger under control or, you know, like, I just, I don't know why I'm not happy. Like, I don't know why I'm not content. Like, I just, I want to see real lasting change in my life. And maybe we're a little discouraged by how slow that change is taking place. And Jesus says that if you want to be the kind of person who's not only happy and not only has a relationship with God, But if you want to see actual real changes happen in your life, then this is a way in which you need to live. Uh, John Orberg is, again, one of my favorite writers. He wrote a book called uh, The Life You've Always Wanted. That's what we want, the the, the life we've always wanted. And here's what he says about the idea of change in there. He says, when morphing, when changing happens, I don't just do the things that Jesus would have done. I find myself wanting to do them. Uh, He goes on. It says, they appeal to me. They make sense. I don't just go around trying to do the right things. I become the right sort of person. I just, it's not that I'm like trying not to be angry anymore. I just, I think I'm just an, becoming an actual kind person. I'm not like biting my tongue. I'm just, I'm becoming a new kind of person. It's not it's like, ah, I know I'm supposed to give some money and be generous, but I, I just, it just happens. I just, it's just, it, it's become, I just am becoming a different kind of person. My heart is changing. Uh, and Jesus says that if you want to become that kind of a person, if you want to become a happy person, a blessed person, if you want to become someone who has a relationship with Jesus, uh, like real personal friendly, and if you want to see real lasting change in your life, then here's what you need to focus on is that you need to have a pure heart, that your heart needs to become pure. Uh, and again, Jesus is just so clever. Uh, he kind of, this is another thing where you could kind of describe it in uh, one of two different ways. So the first is that idea of purity is the idea of like actual kind of real, like something that is either polluted and gross or it's pure. So I have some water up here. So this is some, we're arguing about that, this dirt before service today. So this is Albany tap water. 
which is award-winning, Monica, tasteful, wonderful. So seriously, there's a survey done a few years ago, and they found that Albany water is some of the most pure and some of the best-tasting tap water. In so you can decide that for yourself. But what the, the surveys say is that this is pure, nice, wonderful water, good to drink, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then on the other hand, this is Albany water as well, and you can zoom in on that AZ. Uh, this is some, like, I put some dirt in there. I put some, like, grass clippings in there. I put some other just stuff I found on the sidewalk out there. Uh, this is what you would call polluted gross water. Can you see that there? Yeah, it's nice for those folks at home. Just kind of just nice and gross. And so this would probably not be as nice to drink. Uh, this is gross. And so Jesus says that one of these two represents your heart. You can have a heart that's fairly pure and clean, or you can have a heart that's kind of full of a bunch of uh, junk. And add tap into some of your guys' lives that, you know, I don't know, you guys didn't tell me this, but there's a lot of, a lot of junk in a lot of our hearts, right? I mean, it's jealousy, bitterness, anger. It's the stuff that just like really just kind of, maybe we even do a pretty good job of like not letting the outside world see it, but it's just, it's in there on the inside. And so one of the questions I think Jesus wants us to ask is this question of just, what, what is polluting your heart? What is the things that's just making you just like not the person you want to be? And Jesus says something really uh, amazing about this later on in the book of Matthew. Uh, Jesus is talking to a group of people. Here's what he says. He says, a woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And scribes and Pharisees were religious leaders back in the day, and they were, they were experts at looking great on the outside. Uh, they, they, they looked good physically. They, like, did all the right things spiritually. Like, they had their act together on the outside. This is what Jesus says to them. He says, Oop, next slide. Uh, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of robbery and self-indulgence. Uh, again, this is what a lot of us do. That's, you can put really gross water in a clean cup. I mean, you walk around and like show everyone like that. It's going to be pretty disgusting. But like you walk around, I mean, no one knows what's inside. The outside can look incredibly good. And this is how a lot of us spend our lives, is trying to just make, as, if I can just make the people at work, to, you know, I, my life's a wreck right now, but like, if I can just make them believe that I have it together. If I can walk into church and walk out and like, I don't think anyone knew. I, I, think, I think it's still all a secret. And we can spend tremendous amounts of time and tremendous amount of energy making our outside selves look good. And that's what the Pharisees did. And Jesus says, that's a waste of time. And he says, you blind Pharisees, first, clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside of it may be clean also. Uh, that if you really want to clean up stuff, that you need to first clean up your heart. Because again, here's what a lot of us know, is that we try to keep a lot of this stuff on the inside. We try to make our outside look good. But whatever is on the inside, whatever's polluting our heart, it leaks, doesn't it? And who it normally leaks with, we might do a great job of keeping it together, like, you know, when we're at stewards, and we're at the grocery store, when we're even with people at work. Like, it's amazing how sometimes we can be on our best behavior with people we barely or don't even know. 
But then when we're with the people that we love the most, whatever's on the inside, other people see it, don't they? And that anger and that jealousy and that bitterness and that lust and that selfishness, it's just like, if you ask, if you want to know what's polluting your heart, I guarantee you, you can ask the people who know you best and they know what it is. Because even as, as good as you are is making your outside look good and faking it, it leaks and they know what is on the inside. And the only way that you're ever going to be able to have that real transformation of change is if you actually change what is coming out on the inside. Uh, then the second thing that this uh, word uh, purity means has to do with this idea of love. Uh, it's obviously not has to do with the organ. This has to do with like the idea of the heart being the, the seat of emotion, the seat of affection. Uh, and all of you love things. Uh, all of us probably love multiple things. Uh, I, for instance, uh, this is the month of May, which as some of you know is a big, big deal to me. Uh, I grew up in Indiana for a good part of my childhood. And so next weekend is the Indianapolis 500, which I know you are all excited about. I'm very excited about it. It's, it's a huge deal in my life. So next week, next week is the race. This past week has been Indy 500 practice. And so I know for many of you, the idea of watching a race where they, they're actually racing, but they're just going around and around in a circle, sounds like the boringest thing to you possible. But to me, this past week, they were just practicing with one, two, sometimes three cars at a time going around in a circle. And I was riveted. Uh, I spent an embarrassing amount of time this past week watching cars go around and around and around because I just, it, it's nostalgic, it, it's, it's my dad, it's my grandpa, it's just, I, I love it. And you all love things, that's okay, you know, I mean, you, you, maybe you love a sports team, uh, maybe you love a certain activity, uh, maybe you love your house, maybe you love your car, maybe you love your job, uh, maybe you love success, you love it when you do a great job at a meeting, you know, you love money, you know, and, but here's what we all know about affection and love, is that at some point, the things that we love compete for each other, and at some point, you're going to, like, have to choose, like, in this moment, like, I love watching the indie practice, but I love my kids, and which one is actually going to get my attention and my love right now? Uh, I love to be comfortable and just, you know, but, like, I also, you know, love, yeah, at some point, you have to choose. And again, what, if you want to know what you love most, ask the people around you who love you, and they will tell you. They know. They know what you love most. Uh, the, and they know when they are competing for your attention. Uh, your kids know what they're competing for, and maybe it's your phone, maybe it's work, you know, maybe it's making the house perfectly clean. They know what you love, and they know that they're competing against it for your love. Your spouse knows, your partner knows, your people at work know, and God knows. Uh, here's what Jesus says is the key. Uh, Jesus was once asked, well, what's the most important commandment? What's the most important way we should live? And Jesus replied, so love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. And uh, there's a second part to this. Uh, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, is love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Jesus says that the key is if you want to have a happy life, if you want to have a life where you have a real relationship with Jesus, if you want to see real God changes in your life, then you need to have the seat of emotion. What You, lo you might love lots of things in life, and that's okay, but the thing you need to love most is God, and you need to love other people.
Uh, so, uh, break it all down. Here's what the uh, commandment says. It says, uh, the blessed people, the happy people, are the people who have a pure heart. Uh, the people who don't have junk in, in their heart that is diluting the whole thing. Uh, and the people who love God, just like love them. And if they do, then you will see God in, in a relational way. Uh, you will see God in a, in a change way. Uh, and so, the last part of that then is, 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 is how? How do I actually do that? I, I, I'm in. I like that idea. How do I create a pure heart? Uh, so that goes back to that word that uh, Dallas Willard used at the beginning, the idea of spiritual formation. So we need to reform. We need to have like heart surgery. You know, we need something to like make our heart better. And the way in which you do spiritual formation uh, is very simple and not very easy. It's this idea of just time with Jesus. That the reason why we encourage you to go to church, uh, the reason why we encourage you to pray, the reason why we encourage you to do what they call other spiritual disciplines, it could be fasting, it could be solitude. Uh, the reason why we've been pushing this idea of emotionally healthy spirituality and emotionally healthy relationships, the reason why we ask you just to spend time in the morning just being quiet and listening to the Holy Spirit because the only way that you can have your heart changed is by just spending time and time and time with Jesus. Uh, and if that's something that you're like, I want to do that, but I'm not sure exactly how to do that. Uh, good news, bad news. Uh, bad news, I'm not going to describe the whole process to you today because we don't have time. Uh, the good news is, is that in a little bit in this sermon that Jesus is doing on the Sermon on the Mount, he's going to spend a little bit of time talking about how you pray because a lot of us want to spend time talking to God. We want to hear time listening to God. And a lot of us are not sure exactly how to do that. We don't feel very equipped. We don't feel very good about it. When we have prayed before, it just feels very lackluster. We're not sure what to really have a great and meaningful prayer life. So when we get to July, so uh, about a month and a half from now, when we get to July, we're going to spend eight weeks on the part of the sermon where Jesus talks about how to be formed spiritually through the process of prayer. And I want you to um, come back and be a part of that. But for now, I'm guessing that each of you has at least enough to get started doing some sort of time with Jesus. Uh, maybe for you, it's just walking. Maybe for you, it's listening to a worship song. Maybe for you, it's taking time journaling. But you know enough, I believe, if you're here today, if you're watching today, if you're listening today, you know a little bit of what time with Jesus would look like. And the way in which God works on your heart it's just by spending that time, which again is exactly what Jesus says in this beatitude. Uh, again, uh, what Jesus says is the blessed people, the happy people, uh, people who have a pure in heart, the way in which you do that is it's people who take the time to see God, to build a relationship with God. And it's when you spend that time seeing God and building that relationship with God that you start to see the changes in your life that you want. And it's all very much connected. Uh, lastly, uh, for today, for some of you, maybe you're in on at least like a piece of this enough where you're like, okay, I'm in for the idea of wanting to see God, you know, and spend time with God. But here's what maybe you don't know, John, is that stuff that's on the inside of me, you don't know how, I'm a way better actor, actress than what you know, John. Uh, I, I look like I have it all together when I'm in this room, but I am so much of a mess in here that I promise you that 
you might tell me you want to spend time, you, you want me to spend time with Jesus, but I promise you, Jesus does not want to spend time with somebody like me. Uh, and, and if you actually knew all the things about what was going on in my heart, you wouldn't want me to be a part of this church. You wouldn't want me to be in the band. You wouldn't want me to be a part of this team. You wouldn't want me leading one of these house churches because I'm just so broken on the inside. And so we want to end as we do every week by taking communion because this is the time that we remember that Jesus knows already not just what you're showing on the outside. Jesus knows exactly what is going on on the inside. And he loves you. And he does want to spend time with you. And he wants by spending time with you to see change happen in your life. And that begins when you say that I want to spend time with you. And part of spending time with Jesus is accepting that he actually does love you. And you come up with excuses, and he doesn't, he can't, you know, if he knew, to remember that he actually loves you enough that he would die for your sins. Uh, so let's together, let's take the bread. Let's take the juice. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we pray for transformation. And all of us could tell our stories about how that we have tried to upgrade and improve our lives on our own and how maybe those things made us happy for a little bit. But we know that the only thing that can actually change our heart is you. And the only way that we can ever really be happy in life, the only way that we can have that deep, meaningful relationship with you in relationship with other people is if you change our hearts and so change us. Help us to put in the time and energy it takes just to sit at your feet and then allow you to do what you and your Holy Spirit do to change our mind and to change our heart. Uh, it's in your name we pray. Amen.